Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Annette Stevenson. It's becoming clear that AI, or artificial intelligence, already an integrated part of today's world, is not fading anytime soon. In fact, the opposite, it's being utilized in a growing number of spaces and industries. Applications of AI technology running from healthcare to transportation to entertainment and music to retail usages, and then, of course, the learning environment. Today's episode is focused on AI and the launch of America's first artificial intelligence middle school program, which launched in the fall of 2018 at the Montour School District. Here with us today, both from the Montour School District, is Dominic Salpak, principal of the David E. Williams Middle School. Welcome, Dominic. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And also with us is Bill Black, career educator and STEM teacher for the David E. Williams Middle School. Welcome to you, Bill. Good morning. Thanks for having us again. Thank you for being here. Such a cool topic, and I think that obviously it's out there. People are utilizing it. Some of the population, you know, knows more or less about the topic, but certainly in the education space, so important to STEM teaching and and STEM curricula. So when the Montour School District launched what is termed as America's first artificial intelligence middle school program, a lot of questions, it looks like, probably arose around that. And, And the first that comes to mind is why at the middle school level? Why middle school instead of high school? Well, every, uh, summer or the end of every school year um, in the late spring or early part of the summer, we, we review our programming and our curricular offerings. And that review is very global in terms of everything that we offer here. Mm-hmm. And our discussion during our meeting, our regular meeting at that point of the year, led us down the path of discussing technology and what type of learning we were offering our students within the technology field at large, what type of technology our students were using here as tools for learning. And it was during that conversation that that we were uh, thinking about some progressive steps we can take to make sure that we're keeping up with the evolving world around us uh, that led us to discuss AI because there's quite a bit of literature out there right now. And quite frankly, there's quite a bit of information everywhere you look regarding artificial intelligence. All you have to do is watch TV at night and you'll see another product being marketed and and a big part of the marketing is its use of artificial intelligence. So, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. we're here to support learning in in the real world, let the real world support our learning here at the school and AI, artificial intelligence, just seemed like a natural connection as I sat here in the office and spoke to our directors of education, Dr. Alia and Dr. Sparkenbacher. Okay. And so that's kind of how the idea came about for it. And so, Bill, what was your role at that ideation stage? I was just brought into the conversation with the artificial intelligence through our curriculum director, Dr. Alio, and when he approached me about what did I think about artificial intelligence? What did I know? And basically, it wasn't a whole lot at that point. Then we had gotten connected with our local college, uh, Carnegie Mellon University, and their, one of their professors in their computer science program is uh, Dr. David Tarosky, who had developed this program that connected and was utilized 
to program the known as Cosmo robot. And okay. it's all based on artificial intelligence and the robot learning. So from there, I went did some trainings okay. with a local education AI group based in Pittsburgh. And from there, we purchased kits that we needed to and then just basically learned by doing. Okay. And so part of this concept when you launched it was not just the curriculum or the program itself, but also the space and the learning environment. Can you describe that to us? Can you describe what that looks like in your school? Well, we, we make use of a few different areas of our, uh, of our building. I mean, we have a large group instruction area that we uh, remodeled, uh, brought new furniture into over last summer, and it's very collaborative the way it's organized. We have excellent Wi-Fi connection there. It's a very large area. I can go on, but it, it's an outstanding place for, for kids to get together, collaborate, and be creative. Mm-hmm. And so that area led itself well, and Mr. Black takes his classes there very regularly um, to work. They're scheduled in his classroom, room 408. Okay, they're mm-hmm. scheduled there, but they do a lot of work down in this large group instruction area, but they also do a lot of work in the classroom because there, too, we have a lot of technologies to, to support our curriculum. Okay. And so when do students go there? It's part of the scheduled portions of their days. Is this an elective? Describe how that fits in. Yeah, I have two sections of eighth grade and then two sections of seventh grade in the morning. Mm-hmm. And depending on what we're doing in the process of the curriculum for the AI, we'll determine whether we either report to the LGI room that's the large group AI room, or in my classroom. Um, my classroom set up kind of like a informal uh, computer lab with um, standing height desks, so that it promotes them from not falling asleep too much, sitting in chairs and just listening. So a lot of their stuff is collaborative, working together as teams and coming up and solving problems that they either see locally, personally, or globally. So it just depends on where we're at in the curriculum, okay. whether the, cause the large group instruction AI room is used for other things as well. So if, if I can take my class down to my regular classroom, then I do that and let free open the other class, the AI room, to be utilized by other teachers. Great. So... Why do you think, and this is to either or both of you, why do you think that artificial intelligence is such an important skill for students to learn? Well, I, I think that it is an emerging technology that will likely impact many different facets of our economy and also our daily lives. And so it's our job to prepare our students for things they're going to see in the future, and in in this case specifically, and things that are going to impact their daily life, to be real general, but specifically in this case, technologies that will impact their daily living and and also will have great impact if if you read some of the projections, you know, uh, great impact on the future job market. Right. And so you're teaching it in not just readiness towards potential careers, but just readiness for life, really. Well, sure. And, and to that end, you know, we, we do a philosophy of, of educating children at the middle level 
which is tied very closely to, to exploration. Mm-hmm. So this, this may develop a, an interest of lifelong learning. This may develop an interest of hobby. This may be something that just helps them. Or again, it, it may lead them to a career. But, but we like to keep our, our learning options very open-ended through this exploration philosophy that I believe most middle schools subscribe to. Yeah, absolutely. What are some examples? Can you describe examples of some of the projects that your students may have worked on? Yeah, they, um, this is our second year basically working through the curriculum. I taught it basically the second half of the year last year. And what the, the goal is, and they get a, a grading rubric set up that they have to come up with either a personal, local, or global problem and they have to work with a group to either solve the problem using artificial intelligence through Cosmo and the things that Cosmo comes with on a scaled down version, or they have to figure out a process that they currently do and use AI to help increase the usability of that process or to make that process easier based on AI. So some of the problems that these kids have come up with are just kind of based on what's going on in the world around them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know last year we had, there were, at some point there was an earthquake somewhere, and we had one eighth grade group decide that they wanted to send in Cosmo to provide support beams to crumbling buildings or structures so that it would help humans to go in and look for survivors. Mm-hmm. That kind of blew me away because I never had thought about something like that. Yeah. And even though Cosmo fits in the palm of your hand, and the cubes that it, and it interacts with are only a little bit smaller than a Rubik's Cube, they scaled their version down and came up with their model, and it, and it worked for them. Um, another instance was sending Cosmo into a burning building, acting as a firefighter. Because, and I tell these kids all the time, that robots and material things can be replaced and humans cannot be. So they get that idea of the dull, dirty, and dusty with robots. So sometimes people don't want to do the dull things because they're bored, mm-hmm. and dusty, and dangerous. So we just send in robots. Sure. So that led towards the, the ideas that they came up with. Some of them were um, picking up trash or creating things, ways to get rid of pollution and water. Some of them were saving turtles. Just different things that these kids come up with is kind of mind-blowing and not necessarily a problem that I would come up with because just it being a different generation. Sure. But something these kids that are 12 and 13 years old can have real problems with in the future that they see minus AI, really. I would imagine you gained some great insights from that in sort of tapping into maybe some of their fears or concerns or worries for the future. Um, Absolutely. And it, it seems like what you just described would bring three key sort of teaching elements into place, problem solving, of course, being one, and the technology element being another, but also just that, sort of that broader awareness of whether it be the local world around them or even the broader global world, really, as that third learning element, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we, when our administrators come 
and they they have companies that come in and interview CEOs and things like that and ask what do they look for in your their future workforce and one of the number one things is working in groups. Mm. Um, sometimes people like to stay away from group work because if you get the groups too big, you have some people that aren't just doing anything and one or two people doing it all. But um, working in groups, whether they get along with each other or not, they have to realize that sometimes it has to be done. Sure. So that's another aspect that we like to go for. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. The collaboration, sort of team teamwork, team building aspect that definitely is part of a lot of professional environments. So you mentioned uh, Carnegie Mellon. It sounds like some of the district's teachers were involved in some piloting of the AI technology Carnegie Mellon education curricula. Is that correct? Is that how that partnership came together? Yes, our um, computer teacher did uh, the bulk of the work there. Okay. And have they continued to be a support element for your program, and or was that mostly at the launching stage? Uh, yeah, so most of the training that was involved took place during the last school year and actually over the summer of, I guess that would have been the summer of 2018. There's been some support early on in the school year because there were some changes to the program, but, you know, they they continue to be a very... Uh, accessible and supportive partner. Oh, great. We got our information and in, in our things, like our, our robots and things like that, from our, a local company, uh, Ready AI. So they're a local company based out of Pittsburgh that has deals and offers education through artificial intelligence. And they are the ones that really connect with our contact, Dr. Tarosky at CMU, and basically, we were almost, for lack of a better word, like a guinea pig last year because we were the first to offer it in a school setting during the school year. And they would ask for feedback on the program that we were using, any suggestions. And since, since I believe, the end of last school year, they have put together, I think, three updates to their Calypso program. So we helped them as much as they helped us. And mm-hmm. I did... I did email Dr. Tarofsky and ask him anything. So he's very valuable to us continuing. Great. Important to have good partners, it sounds like. Absolutely. Now, in the education space, of course, funding is always a topic and many times a challenge. What was the dialogue around the funding as you began or looked to begin this program? Yeah, sure. So after we had our conversation here, uh, regarding our interest in becoming involved with AI, our uh, director of education, K4, but he's also our innovation director here for the district, um, took the bull by the horns with that, uh, got us quite a bit of our funding through donation and also just through these partnerships. We haven't spent much at all out of our pocket in terms of the district funds. I think we had to pick up a few more of the uh, Cosmos, for example, mm-hmm. the, you know, the robots. So we were a bit short there, and we may have had to spend a little bit there. But by and large, this has all come to us with, with no cost. Great. I'm sure other districts will be happy to hear hear that as, as funding uh, is often stretched thin across new initiatives. We're actually very fortunate. I mean, we have, a, uh, we have an extremely 
uh, generous and supportive um, school board here and um, our superintendent as well. And so, you know, when, when we bring educational uh, initiatives forward and educational programming forward, they certainly do everything they can do to support it. But um, where we can be prudent in finding funds that will not cost the district money, we, we are aggressive in that nature also. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, your school, I believe, hosted the World Artificial Intelligence Regional Competition for Youth. Can you talk about that competition? Yeah, it was. We had it at our high school location. We have a large um, athletic center, but it was is uh, the company I spoke to previous, Ready AI. They hold the competitions regionally first, and then they offer a world competition. And I believe it's every July 27th to the fact that I guess Pittsburgh actually denoted that July 27th in Pittsburgh or Allegheny County will now be considered AI, National AI Day. Ah, cool. Um, so what we did in December is I taught the my first semester classes in 7th and 8th grade, um, the curriculum. And at the end of the curriculum, they had to come up again with those problems or processes. And then I picked nine of the teams. And then we had one team come in from another uh, local district. Mm -hmm. And we had judges, Dr. Tarofsky, um, I believe our superintendent, and myself was a judge. And what it is is based on the rubric that they use that have to uh, incorporate different skills and tasks Cosmo has to do. And their storyline goes along with that. And they get ranked based on their rubric and the teams take first, second, or third place. And then in July, as long as you participated in a regional competition, you can qualify for the world competition. Great. And at, at the world competition, we housed it last summer. Summer of 18 was at CMU campus. And then I, I observed that one. And then the summer of 19, this past summer, it was housed at a local up-and-coming little, uh, it was formerly an Allegheny Center, and it's now called Nova Place. It's, it has a bunch of startup little tech companies, and they revamped it very well into the technology world. So it was housed there, and I actually was able to be one of the judges for the world competition. And with the world competition, we had, I believe, I think over 100 people like parents and students fly in from Shanghai, China mm, wow. that participated. And then we also um, used Zoom conferencing at the world competition. We had, I believe it was close to 30 countries that somebody had submitted a problem or a process that they video conferenced in and shared their idea or problem with us. And it was, I think it was from fourth grade all the way up through 12th grade. And we, they gave awards for that. And those, those people that came in from China flew in for the week just for this, this competition. Great. So it was a big deal for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you for being with us today. I know there's so much more that we could cover on this topic, but I think this at least helps give kind of a snapshot vision of how you introduced it into your school. So interesting and relevant. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you. 
This podcast is produced by the Pennsylvania School Boards Association, and today's episode was brought to you in part by sponsors Keystone Purchasing Network and Crabtree Rohrbaugh and Associates. Listeners, I encourage you to find out more about this episode and others at keyedradio.org. This is Annette Stevenson saying thanks for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.